Hey everyone, it's Mariah and Danny. Welcome to our podcast, Behind Behavior, where we take a look at the science behind behavior and how we actually use it in real life. Short disclaimer, nothing we say on this podcast in any way reflects the opinions of our employers or the BACB. All opinions are our own. Also, there may or may not be some explicit content or language in this episode. One of us tends to swear and the other one usually doesn't. Join us to find out. Welcome back for part two. Too hot to handle. Week two. I'm pretty excited to see how we felt the second half of this season went. It was definitely, I feel like, a lot different than the first half. So episodes one through five. Right. Because uh, when we had left off, like they had lost almost half their money. They were down to $117,000. So lots of rule breaks. Um, Britain had just called out James in front of everybody at that weird workshop. Three couples had swapped beds. It was a mess. Yeah, things were pretty tense. But yeah, sticking with that theme... In episode six, Nick and Jawa, right off the bat, rule break again. Didn't she say she wanted to break rules? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she wasn't lying. That was definitely reinforcing for her after she had initially broke the rule. So in episode five, Jawa had stated, I want to break more rules after she had kissed Nick. Mm -hmm. Starting episode six, Jawa and Nick kiss again. Then they kiss again. So we're at three rule breaks within 36 hours. And Lana still had not given them any feedback on any of this. So they aren't tallying like how much they're losing the prize fund. Eventually they tell you it's $38,000. But at this point I'm thinking like they should have just had sex. Honestly and... Because that feedback is so delayed. And to me, it was unclear, like, are the kisses still $6,000 each? Are they back to $3,000 each? Is she going to, like, up it again? You just don't really know until you've already done it. And by then, it's too late. Right. One of these rule breaks occurred while Nick was attempting to teach Jawa how to complete a meditation activity, which is just very funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) for some reason jawa thought nick's like deep breathing it was really getting to her and i just thought it was hilarious i was losing it at this point i think she was just needing something because she was finding like any excuse to find this man attractive she needed some sensory input Well, she got it and spent (laughs) (laughs) $38,000. That is some pretty expensive sensory input. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Think about the sensory room you could build with that kind of money. (laughs) Start to a pretty nice one at that. 
So once the episode starts to get underway, Lana hands out gifts to all of the contestants, which are essentially kind of like a Apple Watch or a Fitbit, and they have a screen on them. Uh, the face of the screen will turn green. They So they effectively call these bracelets green light bracelets. Not that original of a name, but I'll give it to you. It does it's, the job. It's functional. Um, so when a couple's bracelets both turn green, it gives the signal of an SD that they can engage in physical activity fine free. But if the bracelets aren't, they just stay black and they're signaling an S delta. Right. And the the contingency in place here is that the bracelet will turn green whenever there is a genuine connection. So again, my beef with, with Lana, like I need to talk to this girl because she doesn't ever define what a genuine connection is. So as of right now, the players don't, know how to meet this expectation to get the green light so i like they're going for a shaping procedure here but it's very poorly done and then it sounds like it's supposed to be an fr1 schedule they do whatever the criteria is to be considered a genuine connection and then the light goes green every time at least that's the way i'm assuming but we don't really know Right, we don't know because Lana failed to give all of these guidelines. Also, Lana. Uh, right. <laughs> She's just annoying. <laughs> Can she just write like, a behavior plan and train everybody I mean, on it first? That's like behavior analysis 101, Lana. Okay, so the prize fun. The prize fun now, after Nick and Jawa have engaged in all of their meditation goodness is sitting at 79,000. So they are over half their money at this point. They spent over $100,000. That is just exceptional in their rate of rule breaks. (laughs) Right. So Nick and Jawa get put to the test with Lana's infamous suite overnight. Mm Mm-hmm. What they don't know is that if they fail, they get kicked out of the retreat altogether. If they succeed, Lana is going to reward them with the green light bracelets. Because earlier she had gifted these green light bracelets to every couple with the exception of Nick and Jawa because they had just been fooling around anyways. Right. So again, it's like they were the ones who broke a lot of rules remember they kissed each other three times in like two days or something or a day and a half and so lana like tries to use this suite as a punishment um you guys were fooling around too much so now i'm putting you to a test in this room that is just like i mean sex overload there's like whips and handcuffs and lubricants and rose petals dipped chocolates and strawberries and yeah i think it was even more wild this time than when seb and kayla were in there i think so too um and i think it's interesting because they did not have sex in that suite so again this is our second couple that goes to the suite and neither of them have like broken any rules while in the suite. So it's kind of worked, 
but obviously I don't think it's the room itself that's serving as a punishment, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably like the social contingen- contingencies that are going on, right? People are mad at you, all these private events of like, if we do this, we're going to lose more money. People are going to be even more mad at us. Those are really shining through as the punishment here. Before entering this suite too, Nick was self-aware enough that he knew this room was like going to be just packed to the gills with opportunity to behave badly. Mm-hmm. And he had the bright idea that while we're on too hot, which I already mentioned could be the temperature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he was like, I just think I need to wear like a bunch of layers so we can't oh, access yeah. each other's bodies. <laughs> they both put on like a ton of clothes. So we're decreasing the saliency of sex here. Although right. I think Jawa like stripped as soon as they got in the room. Yeah, they get to the room. I think they both had like at least two hoodies on, sweatpants, like maybe mm-hmm. a hat or something. Yeah. And Nick looked like he was in it to like ride it out. And then Jawa steps in the suite and she's like, I think I'm sweating. I need to take this off. And then the next scene cuts to her basically in lingerie. Oh, and she's topless. Right. <laughs> so she is like, poor Nick. It's all on him at this point. Yeah. But apparently that secondary reinforcer, the cash, is strong enough at this point, or the social contingencies are strong enough at this point to serve as a punishment where he does not engage in the behavior in any rule breaks. I don't know how, honestly. I- I don't either. But at this point, they only have $79,000, so. Right. But they get bracelets. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. Following that, the next day, I think Lana lets them know immediately, or more immediately, uh, about Nick and Jawa's success. And the, meal- mm-hmm. the males have a workshop planned that urge them to start taking things more seriously. So this workshop is centered around the yoni, which is the vagina. Um, there's a yoni instructor instructor that's hoping to generalize the respect with yoni puppets to actual yonis and that yonis are actually attached to people, which I I get the concept. And I get that she's hoping this skill just like auto generalizes one would think but these puppets are super creepy looking Mm -hmm. they don't look like a yoni at all no they're they're like a letter y and very muppet-esque yeah and then the it's just it was hard a hard leap to generalize like the y shaped puppet to to a real living yoni but she tried did see this workshop was the weirdest one for me yet personally i i kind of get where she's going i don't love the the point of the workshop is to respect women so i'm gonna focus full focus solely on talking about the vagina i don't love that but really my biggest beef here is that like again there was kind of a committed action step here. Like they, they all made statements at the end. Um, but some of the guys like just didn't, I think Ethan was probably the worst one. Like he just was not in this workshop at all. 
Right. Ethan was spa actively spacing out the right. entirety of the workshop. But I really thought what the instructor was trying to get them to realize and why it was so, like, Yoni-focused was to tell the males, like, you came from a Yoni. Mm -hmm. So, like, if your birthed life from a Yoni, that's, like, what created you. So you started here, and now you're chasing this as, like, your reinforcer with, you know, no respect for, like, its capacity. Which obviously, like, Ethan couldn't relate. He, no. like, he no. had no idea what was going on. So once they get out of the workshop, he tries to lap back around with Britain, which is the girl he's now coupling with, mm -hmm. um, and give Britain kind of like a rundown of what occurred in their workshop, which behind the scenes, the girls had said, like, I hope they're taking this workshop seriously and not just goofing off all day. Update, they were <laughs> clips of them goofing off in the most X-rated of ways. <laughs> right. So Ethan tries to explain and just completely fails. He tries to discuss the workshop, but he is just stumbling over his words the entire time. Mm -hmm. While on the other hand, James took this very same workshop, also like came back to approach Britain while he was talking or while Ethan was talking to Britain her with him. Meanwhile, James comes back to follow up with Britain while Britain's talking to Ethan about the workshop. And James pulls Britain aside and actually explains to her what the workshop was about and mm -hmm. all of the benefits and takeaways he got from it. So they basically this is where they realized that previously they had different communication styles that had led to the, their relationship breakdown. And it was, I felt like that was definitely a more of a genuine connection, but I don't think it necessarily applied for Lana's green light bracelets because they weren't actively like pursuing each other. Then I think it was more of a repairing situation so it wasn't really, like, coming from a romantic place. I think they would need to get through that repair situation and be genuine in the repair. And then eventually that would have led to a romantic situation further on. Possibly. I think James was coming from a romantic place. He still wanted to be with Britain because it was Britain that left him. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't really know the criteria of the green light. But unfortunately, they didn't get one because I also I also thought that that was a really good, like genuine emotional connection. It seems like James really did get something out of the workshop, even though it was kind of weird. Um, Seb also seemed to get something out of the workshop because he went back to Kayla, too, right? And was talking to Kayla about the workshop and about what he kind of learned and realized. And that reaction did lead to a green light. So this is the first green light that we see in the show. Um, so just kind of going off of what they did, I'm assuming what you get, how you get a green light is verbal statements of tacting our emotions. So talking about how you felt, maybe why you felt that way. Um, Seb also makes a statement that spending time together 
and like actually talking to each other was more important to him in that moment than having sex. Um, although, of course, as soon as the light turns green, they're like sucking each other's face. So I don't know <laughs> how genuine that was. But it did seem to be like a genuine connection there. And you can see that Seb had a little bit of growth. And it seems like he was listening and learned something from the workshop there. And they got their green light. So they were both happy. Right. Don't discount him just because he was seizing his opportunity of his S Delta. Oh, I don't. That was his real no, of his SD. <laughs> that was an that was an SD and he went for it and good for him. Right. Seize the SD. <laughs> I still feel like James and Britain should have got a green light though personally I feel like topographically the behaviors were very very similar and um I don't know that Britain had totally written off James I think that if we were out in the real world outside of too hot to handle and he had come to her and said that I think they would have kissed and gotten back together in that moment but obviously in too hot to handle they couldn't yeah I mean, I think that was a turning point where we see Britain kind of switch back to James more full time. Yeah. Definitely. And kind of lets Ethan like run to the wayside because that evening we see that James and Britain are back to sleeping in the same bed. Yep. And Ethan is now in bed with Sophie because they've both been dumped. Right. And, and don't like, have a couple. Britain had not discussed sleeping with James to ethan she just did it yes he didn't know until he walked in and they were already in bed together so that sucks (laughs) i mean yeah i feel like that was some of the most immediate feedback on the show (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that was the quickest feedback they got but then again there's britain kind of like calling out someone else in a really embarrassing type of way in front of everyone else on the show that's true it's clear that to me she's not no matter what she says I don't think she's actually comfortable giving feedback one-on-one so she kind of does it in these big dramatic ways or like in the instance with Ethan where she didn't actually have to say anything she just kind of did it and then like hid under the covers avoidance behavior she and shady yes (laughs) 100%. So he got the message without her actually having to tell him, which got the message across, but maybe wasn't the right way to do it if you wanted to not burn a bridge there. Just before bed, Lana announces that new guests are arriving to the retreat. That's right. So in episode seven, we get some new, two new guests. Yes. New guests get to pick from the taken couples this time Mm -hmm. so previously they kind of got to tinder swipe for like their preference assessment on who they wanted to pick for dates coming in this time the pool of available stimuli are only the people who are actually taken so far so imogen is the new girl and she picks a date with creed who creed had picked Flavia mm-hmm. and she had been the new girl previously and then Sean comes on and he picks Kayla so the remaining guests who were not chosen for dates 
are given this giant red button and any of the partners, which would be mainly Flavia and Seb. Yeah. Uh, it was more like their decision to press the button or not. So if they press this red button while their partners were on a date, it meant that their partner's date with the new guest coming in was immediately terminated. But it also signaled that pressing the button meant they didn't trust their partner in that situation. Mm-hmm. The name of this game, given by Lana, is called Block the Cock. Which... And it was like a massage date, <laughs> right? So like, right, <laughs> very on theme. Uh, we're just lucky that James wasn't like a person who really had access to this button because I feel like he would have probably hit the button before the he just the dates even started the first <laughs> right. second like nah like, <laughs> this button was made for me <laughs> so they go through the dates mostly Seb eventually hits the button on Kayla's date and that's when Sean had been uh he just initiated a leg massage on Kayla Mm -hmm. Uh, but then Kayla and Sean re-enter the retreat holding hands which is a very similar way that Seb had previously come back from the first date that he was chosen with when Flavia picked him he arrived back at the retreat holding hands and then Kayla obviously spent the rest of the afternoon crying and weeping over it so Yeah, she just wanted to stir the pot, and I think it was pretty successful. I think so. So, and at this point, so Kayla and Sean do not know about the button, and then the players do not, like, they can't see the date, so they don't know where they're at in the date, so it's just Seb getting in his own head about it, Um, but I thought this was really interesting, just, like, as a behavior analyst, we have to make sure that what we're measuring measures what we want so we have all kinds of tools to like take data right and i could take data in a thousand different ways but it it only matters if it um shows what i actually want to see so in this game for me personally i thought it was interesting because the way that seb was talking i'm not sure that he didn't trust kayla Or if he didn't trust this new guy because they hadn't met the new contestants yet, the new players. So for me, this button that Seb presses, I think it it indicates like some sort of nervousness or lack of trust. But I don't know that it's with Kayla. So I don't know that the the game measures what Lana intended it to measure. Because there's two people here. Also, Lana, before Seb hits this button... Lana releases kind of like dating profiles of the new intestines who arrived. Mm -hmm. So they get to scroll through additional photos. So all of the remaining guests get to kind of see what Imogen and Sean look like. And kind of just like a speed dating profile of what they do. We're not privy to that information, but I'm assuming it's just kind of like basic. What do you do? Where are you from? Mm -hmm. Type stuff. And ironically enough Kayla does go into that date with Sean and she's like you're my exact type you're everything I'd typically go after like dark chocolate like Mm -hmm. super muscular like 
great fade yada 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 like tattoos and everything she says not surprisingly is something that sean holds (laughs) i'm kind of thinking like were their dates actually picked by the new contestants or were they kind of like uh contrived oh i'm sure the producers had some sort of like input into it you know they gotta contrive a little drama we just don't get to see that part right it is reality tv so obviously it's you know scripted to some extent yeah so um and then creed is on a date with the new girl imogen and flavia has control of the button and she actually does not hit it she says that she trusts him that she feels like they've been um like building a deeper connection and it's only after the date that lana reveals that flavia won the group back ten thousand dollars for not pressing the button so obviously if seb had known that an extra ten thousand dollars might have been at play that might have influenced whether he hit that button or not but they didn't know lana's sneaky like that or less effective also less effective. <laughs> i would say both <laughs> So Seb and Kayla talk after the date and basically they just decide that even though Kayla is super attractive, attracted to Sean, she's going to ride it out with Seb. I also thought this was a super cute, like I would have called this a genuine emotional connection because they both talk about how Although Sean is super cute, she's feeling more connected to Seb and they both want to try commitment and they both recognize that they don't usually commit to people like this. But they didn't get a green light. This is another opportunity I feel like topographically looks similar to our previously green light. And I think they should have gotten one. But they didn't. Maybe because it was too soon because the other one was just not that, not that long ago. Yeah, maybe Lana is, like, intermittently reinforcing these genuine connections. Because I would still say this was more of a repair conversation. When I'm repairing with my partner in real life, I don't immediately want to, like, suck your face off. Especially if I'm trying to give you, like, hard feedback. Yeah. I don't know what they would be repairing, though. That Did they get in a fight? Well, no, but Seb obviously felt some type of way, and then Kayla mm. felt like he she needed to reassure Seb, like, no, we're still on this path. I don't know. I feel like they deserved a green light, but all but that, and this is the trouble with defining behavior based on topography, right? Right, because we don't know what the actual operational definition is or what the function that she's trying to shape up is associated with. Lana's a mystery. She is a terrible behavior analyst (laughs) look she doesn't have credentials okay she just does this on her (laughs) part-time well she sure throws out the words analyze behavior a lot (laughs) (laughs) so towards the end um creed and flavia meet up Mm -hmm. and they have a conversation 
and Creed is just falling flat again. He completely doesn't know how to handle any of this conversation with Flavia now that there's a shiny new Imogen around. Right. Like, he literally does not know what to do. And from this point on, I feel like it just gets worse and worse for him. I mean, it's his own fault. I don't feel bad for him. So we kind of have Imogen, who's, like, kind of liking Creed, but Creed won't, isn't really committing to anybody. And then we have Sean, who likes Kayla, but she's kind of rejected him. So starting episode eight, Sean's looking for a couple at this point, because he doesn't really have anybody. And I think he's starting to approach Jawa here, who has a history of not being the most committed. Yes. We found that out during that, like, bag act workshop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sean is definitely trying to move in on Jawa's space and kind of, like, break up whatever's happening with Nick. Mm-hmm. So Sean is actually giving Jawa like a sunscreen massage or something. And yeah. Nick like strolls out thinking he's going to have this huge like heart to heart with Jawa at the time. And Nick sees it and he's just like, what the hell? And walks away. <laughs> to which Nick's response the entire remaining day is like constant meditation. I would be exhausted, yeah. but you know, props to Nick for having coping skills and knowing what he needed at that moment. I just like That's fair. it was a lot for me. They could have just been how they edited it, edited it, but it was excessive meditation. It did look like he meditated for like the next 12 hours. But <laughs> he needed to de-escalate and he knows what works for him. But again, like we're missing that communication piece. You walk away and de-escalate, but eventually we need to talk about this. I thought Jawa was pretty conflicted at this point too. Mm -hmm. Because once Kayla comes back with Sean and Jawa actually gets to see what Sean looks like, she is like, whoa, he's, you know, I think he was like her typical person she'd date to or something yeah and I think she, she said he was her type Sean's her just type. coming in with all of the like smooth talking Sean is like mm-hmm. easy on the eyes giving all the right comments calling her like chocolate queen and whatever else and Jawa's just eating it up yeah she was definitely forgot about Nick there for a hot second and then I think she was conflicted there for a little while um but we'll see more how that plays out a little bit later and this episode is i think the first episode where people get kicked off yes so ethan who where is he even from when did ethan show up oh ethan did the bag stuff yeah ethan did the bag whatever with the yoni thing he just like space cadet the whole time yeah did not pay attention did not try and then sophie who had basically been dumped by creed they were in Mm -hmm. their own little like misfit land bed now yeah they both left 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't really taking anything away from this retreat or any of the workshops. And they, Sophie actually got really bitter. And you could tell she was like holding on to a lot of rage towards Creed. Yeah. She was letting it out pretty frequently, saying like, I hate you, this and that. She... Like, yeah. Any chance she got, I swear she was like muttering something under his breath as he walked by. <laughs> she was, which like I get, girl, be mad. But then I think what got her kicked off was she didn't, at least the from what we saw, she didn't put any more effort into making new connections. She was still just kind of hung up on being mad at Creed. I get it. You're grieving though, like do your processing or whatever. But yeah, the retreat is only X amount of days. Like you have to seize the opportunity. Right. So Ethan and Sophie were kicked out. I don't think anybody really missed them, to be honest. No, especially Ethan. I was actually glad he left because he just, I don't know, it wasn't was a fit with the group. And nobody really talked about them much after they left. So no i am kind of shocked though that ethan was a guest who came on he wasn't Mm -hmm. like an original guest and he also got kicked off so he wasn't on there very long at all no he did not do well at all typically if you're like a guest who comes on after the start you kind of like ride it out till the end and this just was not the case so that was kind of rare after they leave the women have a women's only workshop. Also, I don't know. This one was also weird. I thought they were all <laughs> a little bit like strange. Uh, so this one was focusing on the womb. And I think the person who led it at one point said like, when you have sex with men, their energies can stay in your womb for like 50 years. <laughs> right. I don't know what that's about. I need the, <laughs> that, I need the research. <laughs> Give me, cite your sources, lady, because that cannot be true. (laughs) Their faces, though, at, like, the reactions from that were Mm -hmm. really funny. I remember Britain being like, everyone is is with me still? (laughs) That would be a really, like, freaky thing to think about. I get the sense that these women have a very rich sexual history. So that would be definitely a concerning thing to think about. <laughs> so yeah, they, they were focusing on the womb. Um, personally, I think they should have focused on communication because the women we have left so far, I feel like are the ones that have been the pretty bad at communication because we have Britain who doesn't really talk about her feelings. We have Jawa who just kind of goes back and forth. They're getting better. Right. She can't commit. Um, she can't commit. I didn't really understand the assignment of this workshop either. I feel like they they edited it so you didn't really see a whole lot of what they talked about. Um, But again, there was like a lot of reflection on your own behavior without any actual strategy or committed action in the end. Um, I I mean, I do, I feel like people do this all the time. You know, they talk about things that they want to change in their life. without any actual like strategy going forward. So I don't think that's uncommon to see, but I don't think it's likely to change future behavior, at least in any sort of permanent way. Right. I don't don't know what they were supposed to get out of this workshop exactly. 
I'm not sure. They did do some like visualization type stuff, which was Mm -hmm. kind of, I could see it going down or like attempting to go down more of an act theme with this one as well. Mm -hmm. They, it was like kind of present moment, kind of self as context, kind of like, but there was no, yeah, maybe it was really the editing, but it was weird this one one especially it's like I remember I feel like you just didn't see a whole lot of it and I don't know if that's because it wasn't particularly interesting for tv or it was too personal but you saw them like doing some sort of sensational touch on their wounds and some visualization and that was kind of it um so again like they're leaning kind of act ish I see where they're going but I feel like they just don't go all the way there again like it's for tv so i understand later on though when jawa is trying to reflect on her relationship of sean versus nick you can see her kind of like retouching her womb again like she puts her hands in her like bikini bottoms oh really so maybe she's trying to recall on whatever she had taken away from the workshop we don't know she's crying Mm -hmm. in the scene so yeah, I hadn't noticed that. That is interesting. No context there. Just random yeah. tidbits. But so Flavia and Imogen have a talk during this workshop and they realize that they're both still gunning for Creed, which I mean, I feel like he's not worth it, but whatever these girls see, see in but- him. <laughs> They must see something that we don't, because of all the people to fight over, Creed is not the one for me. Yeah, I'm out. So mm-hmm. Creed is just giving them both mixed signals. Flavia sits down with Creed and gets his side, and then she sets a hard limit with him, which I feel like is really good communication from her standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flavia is asking something very direct. And he says, well, you know, I'm going to kind of like go easy on her. I saw how that happened with Sophie when I kind of broke things off with her and I don't want it to go the same way. And Flavia really puts her foot down, sets a hard limit and says, no, you're going to do it X, Y, Z. Like, I need her to know that you are not together and we are. Which Creed obviously agrees that he'll do and never follows through with because the next scene is probably him sweet-talking Imogen saying the exact same thing. He always Mm -hmm. tries to start, like, with probably his good intention. And then he just, like, veers off like, well, you know, I really think that long pause... And he's like, I think we should just see where this is going to go with us to both girls. (laughs) Really, really, he's actually, he's very vague to both of them. But obviously they both take it at, take it as, oh, like he wants to be with me. And he just kind of like lets them think that he just needs to get it together. Say what he thinks. It's pretty ballsy too, because you all live together. Like, how did he expect the girls to not be communicating with each other if they were both communicating with him? 
But honestly, the girls never communicate like that. Or they don't from what we see until it blows up later on. Right. I think the the last thing that was that was kind of a surprise drama in this episode was when Sean approaches Jawa and is like, do you want to sleep in my bed tonight? I think Sean was a little more aggressive and <laughs> <laughs> I think he took more of a Flavia approach and was like, I would really like you to sleep in my bed tonight. But props to Jawa because she actually communicates this with Nick beforehand instead of mm-hmm. blindsiding him. She pulls Nick aside privately and tells him, hey, I would I really appreciate the time and space to explore if I want to take things with Sean further. So I'm interested in sharing a bed with him tonight. So I yes. think Jawa did a good approach to that. She did. And so we're at episode nine right now. So this is the second to last episode. Jawa is, is obviously still not committed, solely committed to Nick, right? Because she's like going to share her bed with another guy. But I agree. I think we see a little bit of growth here because she does actually talk to Nick about it. I think her reasoning is kind of BS. You know, I want to see what it could be, whatever. You're going to be there for like another day. Um, but at least she she talked to him about it. And then Jawa and Sean slept together in the bed that night. And poor Nick had to watch from across the room. Nick was having a rough go. That meditation room that he was in was occupied. <laughs> Occupado. <for two> Honestly, <laughs> I have a note that in the last episode, I was literally cackling at Nick's meditation face because he had just been meditating for so long like <laughs> oh my gosh this guy is a like marathoner at least this must have been a really stressful time for him if this we're assuming that this meditation is like a de-escalated coping skill so he must have been feeling some real stress. So maybe he was really feeling something for Jawa at this point. If it got him that upset that he had to go meditate for two days straight. I mean, he is the only example of a person who's using coping skills in the whole retreat throughout, though. Yeah. So the fact that we even got to see Nick meditate this frequently, I think was really good highlight. And I think a lot of people sleep on meditation like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. There's not like one right way to do meditation. It's kind of just you have to start. But to start, you have to give yourself the ability to be vulnerable to even do the meditation. Right. So I think that him meditating on TV and getting that much airtime about it is really just kind of like a modeling effect for everybody else who's watching like whoa nick's going through this hard time maybe i should consider meditating too i hope some people see it that way because meditation like like you said it's it's a skill you might feel silly at first but the more you do it the more comfortable it'll be and soon you'll be like nick and it'll be your go-to coping skill well hopefully not for two days hopefully you can get regulated before that I I would hope so. Although he he was in kind of a unique situation, to be fair. <laughs> right. I mean, he's trapped in the environment with this girl who could or could not be 
potentially breaking up with him and he's just in this limbo setting. So I could see how that's more high stress. And then on the other hand, we have Creed who probably could have used some meditation, (laughs) but he just, he keeps going back and forth between Flavia and Imogen and like, he's just making everything worse at this point. He's leading them both on making him, making each of them think that he's going to break it off with the other one. And then he doesn't. I think at this point, I was thinking this should be punished the same way that physical intimacy is. If the point is to build true connections, at this point, why is this not punished? And Lana does have something to say about it later. But at this point, we're second to the last episode. And money has not been mentioned in several episodes. I don't think anybody's broken a rule since episode six right everybody is reformed people are getting i don't know about reform (laughs) we still have creed being shady over here (laughs) but people are getting better at least about the physical intimacy part right he's shady but he's mind shady he's not physically shady he's emotionally shady yes so Lana has something up her metaphorical sleeve for Creed and Jawa coming up. That's Mm -hmm. disclosed in the episode. And then she also lets us know that she has something planned for the two couples. So Kayla and Seb go on a private date. James and Britton also go on a private date. Um, James and Britton have a pretty lengthy conversation basically covering their communication styles and like how they should have communicated previously that I've already mentioned in all of the episodes we've talked about so far. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the part where they've really gotten the closure. And because of that, Lana finally gives them the green light. I am so happy that Britton and James finally got their green light. I feel like they have shown a lot of growth over the last couple episodes. I mean, Britain, I think, is really realizing her fault at this point, that she could have been communicating more clearly. And they both are. And that was really nice to see. I think this is the first time, too, that the couple highlights just how long the green light lasts. Because mm. they definitely take advantage of the opportunity as soon as it turns green. But they, like, make out you know get some feels in and they're still like wow this green light is still going so they like can come up for air and like go back down for a second right and you're right I mean as soon as it turns green they like launch at each other which which is a pattern that you see in infrequent FR1 schedules that's true and intermittent schedules too they're also the only couple that's established so far who hasn't broken any rules so this kiss that they get Mm. for the green light is like their actual first real kiss their act like anything beyond like holding hands that is true i hadn't thought about that isn't that that would kind of suck so your first kiss is like on a timer that you don't know how long the timer is It seemed pretty substantial, but I think Britain had even made the comment like, all right, now I get to kiss him, but what if it's terrible? <laughs> <laughs> she did seem kind of nervous about it, but 
they both seem to enjoy it. Yeah, good for them. So on Kayla and Seb's date, they make things official. Yeah, they decide to officially start dating now and after the show, which I know Kayla had said she was worried about considering Seb is Australian. No, he's she not. lives in Hawaii. Seb's Irish or something. Seb's Scottish or something. He's from the UK. He's, he's from, from the UK. One of the five countries in the UK. It's not That's Wales right. and it's not Britain. <laughs> Creed was Australian. So wherever they are geographically, it's not close. So no. Going into the final episode, Kayla's like, wow, I really deserve this prize fund money because I have plane tickets to buy. And I'm like, that's not really, no one else cares. Right. That's kind of a superficial reason. But I get why you would be nervous to continue dating somebody that long distance. Right. But now it's like she finally has more motivation to have the prize fund because of these plane tickets also. Which is like, okay, it's a little too late, especially after you've spent the majority of the money so far. Yeah, because let's remember, Kayla and Seb were the ones who spent, like, a majority of the money in the beginning when they were messing around with the shower and then had sex with each other. Right. They had sex. They messed around in the shower. Seb and Kayla had kissed before. Seb had Mm -hmm. kissed Jawa. Kayla Kayla had had kissed kissed, uh, Nick or somebody. Yeah. So they had... A few kisses in between there, various people, and some more activities with themselves. So they are by far the people who have spent the most of the pot. They definitely have. So it's kind of interesting to me. So they also got a green light because they decided to commit to this long distance relationship. Um, But it's interesting to me. So in this contingency, Lana doesn't take history into consideration here. So Kayla and Seb are getting the same reinforcer in this moment, the green light on their watch, as James and Britton, who have been, like, physically her perfect couple so far, as far as non-rule breaking goes. Right. Both couples seem to enjoy their green light while they had it. Meanwhile, Jawa is essentially taken aside by Lana, redirected to the cabana area, so she's kind of isolated. I would almost call this like a timeout situation, exclusionary timeout, because Mm -hmm. she's not allowed to access any of the other contestants at this time. And it's really used as Lana's using this time for Jawa to have like her own reflective space. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, Lana reaches out to Sean and Nick and they're both asked to sit to stay in the locations that they're at so also exclusionary timeout from the rest of the contestants Mm -hmm. and lana presents a forced choice decision for jawa so jawa gets to go on a date if to nick or sean nick and sean have both agreed to be in on this date scenario so everybody gets ready for this date And Lana gives Jawa 15 minutes to decide which date she's going to go to and which date she's not going to go to. And whoever she goes to, that would obviously be an SD that Jawa picked them. And whoever, whoever doesn't go, their green light bracelet turns red 
So it's the S Delta. This is a really suspenseful part in the season. Mm-hmm. They definitely make us wait a while before, you know, they get to the conclusion. But we finally get there. And Jawa picks Nick. I think mm-hmm. she has a conversation with Britain before this where Britain kind of helps her arrange some of her thoughts and identify if she's just behaving a certain way because of fear so yeah I think Jawa takes that into consideration a lot more when she's making this decision and kind of looks on those past workshops that they did do however much they got out of them Mm -hmm. and decides to pick Nick because even though it's scary it goes kind of with the behavior and values that she wants to align with more versus like her past behavior so i'm Mm -hmm. actually pretty shocked but relieved nick certainly looks relieved and i think you can see him take a few deep breaths in the frame (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i mean i i think she probably made the right choice there and i think she did because nick obviously was relieved and then ends up telling her that he loves her which to me, do we think that's true? I feel like Nick might be a little bit um, love blind at this point. I mean, let's remember that this woman has like left him like twice now for other people. She's just temporarily explored. So Nick had actually been telling himself the mantra that if you really love something and let it go and it comes back to you, then it's meant to be. So I think he had been prepping himself for this scenario the whole time while he'd been doing Mm -hmm. these meditations. So it's kind of nice to see that it worked out for him. It did. And because of all that, they end up getting their green light. I think this was their first green light. I do think so. And yeah, I think they even commented to like, wow, this green light is exceptionally long. Which, good for them, because that would have been extra shady if Lana had made it for like 15 seconds <laughs> or something. <laughs> I wouldn't have like put that up to Lana. No, no. But so we Jana- also... Jawa. Oh yeah, well, we also never know like how long this duration is so Mm -hmm. some of the contestants could be getting varied times and other people could be getting shorter times so like the genuine connection or whatever never really correlates to specific amount of time in the green light right that's true because we only see with editing like the first couple seconds usually them just like coming towards each other and kissing we don't actually know how long that is what these people have like an opportunity to do Right. I think we also just assume that it's supposed to be a shorter time. So they never really take full advantage of the green light. Whereas right. if the green light was like a set duration, you knew mm-hmm. like, oh, 10 minutes or something like you could do some serious damage in 10 minutes and save yourself some huge fines. But they never yeah. really know. So they're on their toes like the whole time just anticipating it to go off again. And it's usually in public, too. Or if not in public, not like in their bedroom or in the bathroom in private. Okay. So at the end of episode nine, Lana calls everybody to the cabana. And they basically 
put Creed on blast. As they should. So that leaves us with the cliffhanger going into episode 10, which is the finale. Creed is still in the hot seat. Ironically, too, he's sitting between Flavia and Imogen, which I was thinking like, wow, this couldn't have worked out better. Like, how did he get in this specific seat? <laughs> oh, that was 100%. <laughs> I'm convinced a producer did that. So Lana basically puts all of Creed's business out there. Flavia is like, you haven't been truthful to me this entire time. You told me you cut stuff off with Imogen. Imogen's like, uh, he told this stuff to me, but I didn't still think he was really talking to you type thing. Mm-hmm. So Lana just immediately decides to kick Creed off the retreat and asks him to leave in that same sh- scene. Which, rightfully so, I'm glad she did it. I do not disagree with her decision. But I wonder why Jawa got that forced choice opportunity to, like, redeem herself, and Creed didn't. He just got, like, straight kicked off. (laughs) I think Creed had multiple opportunities to be truthful with either girl, and Mm he kept it seemed like intentionally not picking a side just to kind of see like how long he could ride either girl out until like either one of them found out on their own yeah, or just like thoroughly got mad. And Lana was just kind of what I'm assuming would be like upset that he couldn't commit. Whereas Jawa was really trying to like put the effort in. She wasn't Mm -hmm. playing the field. She was being like, she was disclosing what she was going through to both sides. That's true. And to be fair, I do feel like Jawa showed more growth, like by disclosing to Nick that she wanted to sleep in the bed with somebody else. And Creed didn't show any growth. He was just trying to play both women and see who could he could end up with. So I get why Lana kicked him off. Like I said, I don't disagree. It was very sudden, I felt like. I don't think he expected it at all. But with Creed being kicked off, he no longer has access to help with who gets the prize pot fund. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another reason why she kicked him off. Because at this point, if you're not participating in the goals of the retreat, then you're kind of just a wasted boat. So I think it needed to be like more cut and dry. Like, here's your consequence. You're not in the running for the prize pot and you don't get to leave with either one of these people you also don't get to vote so like literally nobody cares that's totally fair and at this point the prize was at eighty nine thousand dollars. so it's still i mean it's a lot less than two hundred thousand, but it's still a good amount of money for somebody to win or a couple to win definitely a lot less too after you take taxes out of this lump sum that you get so Yeah, we're not going to think. I wonder how that works, though, because we have people here from different countries. I don't know. You might have to pay double Based on whatever your country is. Right, because you'll get a lump sum tax fee. Yeah. And then usually if you're in another country, you'll have to pay your own country's fees on top of that. That sucks. YOLO. (laughs) So the... There's one final workshop on new beginnings and reflections on how far everybody has come. And this one 
was probably the most act-ish workshop we've seen far so far, I feel like. So they had these white flags and they were supposed to draw, like make up their own flag to like represent themselves and kind of how they've changed. And if that's not act, I don't know what is. I thought this one was actually kind of fun. I thought this one was kind of boring. What? But... <laughs> boring, but <laughs> maybe I think most, uh, actually useful. Yeah, some of them were useful. Some people's flags, like Imogen's flag, was had good like intentions behind it. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like. I don't know. It wasn't that exciting for me. That's fair. It was not exciting to watch. I mean, it was people, you know, drawing on flags. Right. Like, I would not lead this act activity in a session. I mean, I could see it in a session. And in fact, I've done similar things, but on flags, just on like paper. But you're right. It's not exciting to watch. But I, but this this workshop, I could most easily like see what they were going for, you know. Mm-hmm. I got the point. The benefit of this workshop, though, was everybody actually had a opportunity to express and communicate, like, what their images were. Yeah. I that they that. drew on the flag. And I think that was, like, the best part of the whole workshop. Mm-hmm. So there were some pros to it. There definitely were. And I feel like this workshop was definitely more self-reflective than about you as a couple it was more about you individually definitely I think that's probably why this had like better turnout than the other things Mm -hmm. also it it was not um based off of like visualizations or things you couldn't necessarily see like you can't look at a person and automatically see their yoni or their womb so like you're just like talking around things that you can't necessarily see or like interact with Mm -hmm. in this one you could like physically depict anything that you were interacting with on your flag from Mm -hmm. a previous event that you learned about now so it was a little better in that regard okay so I guess this workshop wasn't that terrible but it still just was not for me it wasn't exciting to watch, which I get. I think this workshop was also the only one that was not based or had no content related to sex. Like all yeah. the other ones either had to do with like, you know, a vagina or a woman's womb, which the womb itself is not necessarily sexual, but has to do with reproduction. This flag was all about you. I guess they could have made it sexual if they wanted to, but the workshop did not in itself like mention sex or sexual attention so i think that kind of speaks to like at this progression point in the show it's more about genuine genuine emotional connections and at this point nobody has broken rules in several episodes right i think they're green light bracelets i think they think that they'll be contacting reinforcement often enough that they don't Mm -hmm. need to break the rules which Mm -hmm. seems like it's working so far definitely so to round out the season lana picks the finalists she lets everybody know that there will be four finalists but then kind of throws a curveball out of Mm -hmm. these four finalists she really just decides to pick two couples and then those couples whatever couple wins would win the prize together so really there's two winners 
So not exactly what she said about like four finalists. And she doesn't ever disclose like how do you get to be a finalist? Like there's no criteria. Right. About, like why she picks who she picks. So the four finalists that she picks, or really the two couples, is Kayla and Seb, and then Nick and Jawa. I mean, I think those are fine. I was really kind of hoping for Britton and James, especially after they had kind of made, had that talk and actually communicated. I thought that was growth for them, and I was a little disappointed that they weren't a finalist at the end. I liked yeah. them. I think they were just like a little too fresh. But again, we don't know because there were several people in the retreat who were single at this point. Like Mm -hmm. Dominique, she's on the show the entire time and we have not mentioned her once. I literally forgot that she was there. (laughs) Right. And then Nigel is just kind of bopping around and he even makes a comment like, well, if you're a finalist based off of being in a relationship, I sure am not winning. Yeah, and at, and at this point, like, really, no, at no point throughout the show has Lana ever really said, you have to be in a couple to be um, in the finalist, you have to have gotten a green light, like, we really don't know what you have to do to be a finalist. Right, it's whose line? All the rules are made, made up. up. <laughs> green lights don't matter. Exactly. So... Once the finalists are picked by Lana, all of the remaining contestants get to vote, which I really thought it was going to be a little more skewed than it was because the results came in and it was one one differing vote than all of the rest. Yeah. But I think at this point in the show, there's like an even number. I think there's like six other people left. So I was just like, how, what are the chances that there was an even split and you didn't need a tiebreaker? Like, who would have been the tiebreaker if that scenario occurred, Lana? Well, in the whole voting thing, what I didn't realize that they voted. I guess I thought Lana picked. But even the whole voting thing was just very quick. It's like there was a, there was like a two minute kind of edited thing of all the players say, I vote for. And then that was kind of it. Right. It's not like Survivor, though. Like, there's not like a voting ceremony on every episode. So I think they just kind of were like, all right, here we are. It's the end. Yeah. And the winners were? Drumroll. Nick and Jawa. Which is like fine. Like I said, I personally liked Britton and James. I liked their like character arc. But between the finalists, I like Kayla and Seb the best. <laughs> like, I think they should have won. I don't know. I like Nick. Uh, and I like Jawa. So I'm kind of happy that they won. But I think it was very anticlimactic. Like, yeah. the episode 9 was more climactic with, like, Jawa's forced choice. Like, who's she going to pick? And then all of the disclosing that Nick did, like... I really love you. I've been thinking about saying this. Blah, blah, blah. I've told you I love you in my head a million times. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's more exciting for them because you can see their growth more. Whereas now it's like Seb and Kayla just seem like any old couple and they just are long distance. Like it's a little more snooze fest for me. 
I guess I liked Kayla and Seb because they seemed more like realistic. Nick and Jawa, I just can't get over like you were literally just about to leave Nick for somebody else if Lana didn't force you to make that choice. And then Nick saying he loves you when again, the night before you were in bed with another guy. But I do totally agree. I feel like episode 10 was very anticlimactic. Like the voting was very quick. The finalists were like kind of sudden. We didn't even have time to like kind of deliberate like, ooh, who are the finalists going to be? Because we didn't know what the criteria was. And then it's like all of a sudden, you know who wins and it's over. Right. Which is just so ironic because this whole season, everyone's been trying to climax. And none of us got it. Mm, rough. So overall, what did you think about this the show, this season? I believe I had watched previous seasons, but going forward, I'm not sure if I would watch Too Hot to Handle again. I'm just kind of over it. Honestly, me too. I think I had watched the first season and it's one of those things where it's like I hadn't watched it in a few years, so I couldn't really remember if I liked it or not. And I love reality TV, but this one, this one's just not for me. I don't find it's like relatable at all. And I think that's what I like in reality TV. It's definitely not relatable. I had mentioned earlier that the contestants are never shown eating on this show. Like, how is anybody sustaining life in this villa where like you don't even show the most basic behavior of eating? How are you alive? Well, I guess they do eat, but it's only in the form of, like, dipped strawberries. Right. And they drink alcohol. But that's, like, all you see. And then for me, it's, like, the the show, the premise of the show is, like, building genuine connection and emotional intimacy. But the conversations are all so shallow. And for three quarters of the season, they're all sex-related. At least from what we see. There probably there might be and probably is more real conversation going on that we just don't see. And I might be more apt to watch again if that kind of stuff was shown. Right. I want something more relatable. Mm-hmm. And this just wasn't that fun. I'm more prone to watch kind of uh, what is this reality TV that has more of a like survival component. Okay. So something where you actually, something that's more skill-based. Do you have a recommendation for us? Alone is really good. I have watched Alone. That looks really intense. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could do Alone. Absolutely not. Not sure I'd want to. So if, if you've never watched Alone, for you listening, it's where people are basically like, put out into the wilderness somewhere each season is like a different part of the world and they're literally by themselves I think they get to take like a couple tools primitive tools um so think like a fire starter a hatchet things like that and then they're just supposed to survive like as long as they can and it's also a competition so they're competing with other people who are doing the same thing but they don't know who the other contestants are or how long the other contestants have lasted. So you're basically just out in the wilderness by yourself and you don't know for how long. And then do they win money if they're the last one out there? I think they win like a million dollars or something. If you're the last one alive, a lot of people go out there 
and obviously you need to have all your primitive skills like your hunting skills you're not provided any food or shelter or anything one season a lady like builds herself like a sunken in hut Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be better for like fire absorption and like heat another guy like kills a moose all by himself but then he has to find a way to like rig it up and keep his animal away from like the bears and stuff that could come get it um it's just it's a more intense survival show Mm -hmm. but the key is is that just because you're there doesn't mean you can like out starve other contestants right because people are out there for like 30 40 60 days right it's good though so i'll guess i'll have that as my bits and bobs for today that's a good one and to stay on theme uh for my bits and bobs this has turned into a reality tv we recommend that's better than too hot to handle (laughs) mine is 90 day fiance my partner and i love this show um so if you've never watched it, there there's no competition aspect to this show. It just follows people who um, meet and allegedly fall in love with people from other countries. And they <clears throat> apply through various visa processes to get them over to the United States to get married. And uh, you follow different couples each season. There's like a million different like offshoots and spinoffs. And I think I like those kind of shows a little bit better because I don't care about the competition as much. And I feel like the drama is more like real and relatable because it's relationships and it's like real people's lives. So you just like never know what's going to happen. I do feel like with um, reality TV, though, there are certain components of it that are staged still. Oh, 100%. Like they have to... (laughs) you know, create more drama with, like, documents and whatever else, like, hang-ups and the 90 days you're already under, like, a time crunch to to do your dream wedding and whatever you can afford or something. And then, obviously, there's going to be, like, a venue snag or something. Oh, and, like, on those shows, whenever somebody has to have, like, a really intense conversation, it's, like, always at a restaurant. My partner and I talk about that all the time. Like, if I'm going to go talk to somebody about this really important thing it's not going to be in a public setting at a restaurant (laughs) it's going to be like in the privacy of our home or something um yeah I mean they definitely contrive situations for drama a hundred percent but whatever if it's good tv it it is good tv and it's a good bingeable tv show because there's so many seasons and there's so many offshoots like there's before the 90 days there's after the 90 days There's 90 Days the Other Way, where Americans go and marry people in other countries and live in other countries. That one sounds way more exciting. It's We've watched a few uh, episodes from that one, and it's good, too. Where can people watch this? So this one you can watch on Discovery Plus. Which is... on Hulu, but I don't think it is anymore. I think now it's just on Discovery Plus, so can't a lot of people get discovery plus through disney plus possibly i'm not sure my partner pays for those services so i don't know there's so many 
things to subscribe to. There's a million. But if you like reality TV, like TLC kind of shows, they're all on Discovery Plus. And alone, you can watch at least one or two seasons on Netflix. Again, we're not sponsored by Netflix. But if Netflix wanted to, right, our contact info is in the show notes. <laughs> on that note, we love hearing feedback. And you guys can add us on Instagram at behindbehaviorpod or email us at contactbehindbehavior at gmail.com. What are we going to chat about next time, Danny? So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And Mariah and I have been a little bit sneaky. We've been taking a course through Yale called The Science of Well-Being. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about how to live our best lives according to Yale. I'm excited. It'll be good. Join us then. Thanks for listening today. You can find us on Instagram at, at behindbehaviorpod. Or if you're old school, send us an email at contactbehindbehavior at gmail.com. Smell you later. Bye.